This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore, Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together, and since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Charlotte Christian, it's such a privilege and an honor to be having you as a guest today on my podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's my it's my pleasure and honor to be on your podcast. Oh, I love your accent. Where are you located? Well, my headquarters is in Alabama, and I grew up in Alabama, so I have a a, a bit of a southern accent. Alabama accent. You know, I knew I kind of knew it was Alabama, but I. You know, after you're on this planet long enough, you, you learn not to make assumptions. <laughs> yes, yes. And, 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 I, and I try to, uh, you know, there was a time where I tried to work through that and I have such a Southern accent, but then I was told, don't do that. Just be yourself. And, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, yeah. people relate and, and it's so, so I don't work on it so much anymore. It was funny. My senior year of high school, we moved to Northern, Northwestern Pennsylvania and they called me the Southern girl. And I'm like, really? I'm from, at the time I was from Maryland. Now I'm in Virginia. So I've been in that area my whole life, but they thought I had a Southern accent and I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, Charlotte. So you are the founder and owner of Charlotte Christian law, one of the fastest growing family law firms in the United States and the largest female owned family law firm in the country. That is incredible. And I love that you, you're devote you're, you know, devoting your time to defending the rights of individuals undergoing complex separation, divorce, and custody processes. And that's, that can be a real nasty, nasty thing. It is. Sandy. And, you know, people, yeah. when they come to us, are just at the worst place in their life. And, you know, there's, there's, besides death, um, divorce, they say, you know, is, is sometimes worse than death because the person still remains on the earth and, and uh, so, you know, we come we, we come into people's lives when they're at their worst place. So, you know, we uh, are we're, we're you know, we're blessed with our firm. We feel really good about what we've got built and and feel very fortunate to have uh, a large presence in the U.S. Well, and just to have one of the largest women owned law firms is quite an accomplishment, because even though we're 2023, as you know, as women, we're still fighting our way and, you know, trying to prove ourselves and all of that. You know, we do. And it's, it's interesting. I hear so often that, uh, you know, you're, you're female and, you know, a lot of females don't do this. I'm seeing more females, you know, used to in the 
a personal injury space, for example, you didn't see many females, but I'm starting to see more females. But, you know, I, I try to surround myself with other female business owners so that, you know, like-minded people can, can think alike and can work together and collaborate. But, you know, just, just getting into the space is difficult and it is 2023, but, you know, I think there's still an assumption there that it's a men's world. And, you know, we try to, you know, we certainly don't try to, 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 be equal to what men do. We try to be the best at what we do. So yeah. uh, try to, you know, bring that out and put that out in the, in the world. And, you know, in doing that, I just think you, you make the, the world a better place. Uh, no kidding. So I'm curious because um, you're the first um, lawyer that I've had on my show that specializes in family law. I don't think I've had any, I don't recall having any other lawyers. I may have, I've interviewed a lot of people in the past couple of years. Yes, you have. What, I'm curious because, like you said, you know, it's one of the worst things you can go through. I went through a divorce. Thankfully, it wasn't awful at all. It was very amicable. And I divorced a litigating attorney. Okay. So I was prepared for the worst. Today, he and I. <laughs> and on the bar and held on, right? Yeah, right. Today, he and I are best friends. We we have one son together. We're like brother and sister. I just saw him this morning. I had to pick something up for my son and we gave each other a hug, you know, and love you, love you, you know. And it's great because we were married for 21 years. I met him yeah. when I was 21 years old. And it's you want to have that great relationship, but unfortunately, not many people can get to that point. So what I'm curious about, do you find that you're also like a counselor? to some of these women or, or, or couples or because yeah, they, they know, probably come in and they're, they're dev they could be devastated. They could be, they, maybe they've been cheated on, you know, whatever the circumstances, I would imagine that they kind of dump on you as well. Right. It is. And you know, it's throughout the client journey, there's so many different pieces and so many different steps that you have to take it along the way. So for example, when somebody comes in and we know most of the time they're going to be angry because you're, you're, probably not getting a divorce unless there's some anger there or, you know, you weren't able to, to work together. So, you know, there's a lot of anger. So we have to, you know, approach that with, you know, a protective feeling and a protective position. But then, you know, as we move along and as time, you know, moves along, fortunately, we're able to, you know, oftentimes get people to see what you're saying. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to do what's best for you and what you want done. So, you know, that may be fighting tooth and nail. But, you know, what we see best when it comes out on the other end of this is that when you have somebody who, will, who, who has, you know, the emotional intelligence to listen and to understand that if you've made a child together, especially, you can divorce this person all day long, but, you know, you're going to be involved in this person's life as long as you're alive for this child's life. That's right. Because you're going to have so many instances, you know, you're going to have graduations, you're going to have weddings, birthdays, babies being born, you're going to have so much going on that you've got to have some kind of a connection with the person. And if you don't, you're not hurting that person, you're hurting your child. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you've got to realize that, you know, what you just explained here, that you and your husband were able to hug each other and, and, and be like siblings. I don't know that you are aware of what that does for your son, because I am aware. Day, he sees that and he feels that. And it's just so much better. You know, we can't live with a person or we may be upset because the person left us for somebody else and may be hurt. But, I, you know, 
if you try to use your children as a weapon or if you just can't let that anger go, it's it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt the child. It's not going to hurt the other party because they're probably not thinking about you anyway. Exactly. And and that's such a good point. And I do recognize what it does for my son. And I'm so grateful that I have been on my personal development journey for 33 years. Forgiveness is a part of my being. It's a part of my everyday existence. And I had to forgive him and he had to forgive me as well. You know, it takes two, you know, I, it wasn't just his fault. It, it was both of us, it, it, you know, it, it's a two way street. And, and fortunately he was at a point in his life where he could, you know, look past everything and be like, you know what, we can't be together. And yet we can be really great parents to our, our, he was my miracle baby. Like I was told I'd never have children. And one day it was actually, we actually agreed to separate. We agreed to separate. It was in the year 2000, early in the year 2000, we agreed to separate. And all of a sudden I realized I, my period was late and I was pregnant with my son. Wow. Maybe it was and we stayed to yeah we stayed together for another ten years because I felt like I'm very very spiritual and I felt like okay this is a sign that we're not meant to to be divorced yet and we tried we tried very hard and and the thing is is that you know together we had five pregnancies and one child so we went through a lot together and it's such I mean, for anybody's listening out there there's something to be said for you know like you said it's it's all comes down to forgiveness. I didn't forgive him for him or for my child. I forgave it for me. You know, you don't, know you free like that, don't you feel like, Sandy, that along the way that especially the older you get and the more that you learn, that you that you learn that forgiving people when they don't deserve forgiveness helps you? Oh, so much. So, I so mean, much. I, th I think that, you know, if, if I get really frustrated with somebody or I feel like somebody's wronged me or my family, it's very difficult to do. But I, you know, I, I try to say, and I try to convey this to, to people we work with and to my team by saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's, if you hold on to that, you're just putting yourself through pain. So you've yeah. got to be willing to let go of that. And, and you know what, even though it's hard, if you say, you know, for that person to behave this way, for him or for her to behave the way that he or she is behaving, something has to be majorly wrong with, with their situation. They've got to have pain themselves. They've got to be in such a bad place in life. And if you can just find the strength to just say, you know, th they've got something that I can't fix. They've yeah. got something that I can't control. What I can control is the way I feel about it, the way I react to it, and, and I'm going to forgive them. You know that that takes a that takes a lot of work to be able to get to that place. But I think that that's the way to happiness for all of us long term is that when we're able to say that and when we're actually able to to mean it and to let it go. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you? How do you advise some of your clients when? Because I. I always think of one of my good friends and right when my ex and I, the first time that we had separated, I had a friend who had such a horrible divorce that both of her children were suicidal. Mm -hmm. The children were dragged through it. You know, they sold their house and split the money 50, 50 and gave it all to, to lawyers. Mm -hmm. You know, it was hundreds, it was $700,000 that went to lawyers fees. Mm -hmm. It dragged out for four or five years 
And, and that was why I was like holding on thinking, oh no, you know, like, what am I about to get myself into? What do you say to somebody when they're so stubborn and they refuse to bend, they refuse to give in at all? And you see so many people, especially when there's children around them, like, how do you handle that with your clients? Because that's the worst part about divorce. You know, it's a process. It's a, it's a taking them through the journey. So that's why it's so important that when you do hire a lawyer, that you hire someone who, you know, we teach our entire legal team that the the way that we can represent a client is to understand their why. And, and much like Simon Sinek teaches, until you understand their why, you can't you can't progress. So we have to understand the client's why. And in doing that, you know, I believe that we're, you know, our skill set is is being able to take their why and and get to really know the client and then be able to help them come to that place. Now, are we always successful? No. You know, I had I had somebody spend thirty five thousand dollars fighting over a an iron skillet that wasn't even from their family. It wasn't like some, some heirloom that they got from their grandmother or their aunt or, or cousin. It was an iron skillet and they spent $35,000 for it, you know, and I was like, it, just go know, buy a new one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or buy, you know, buy a car to try, you know, do something, but you know, it's, it's hard. That's, I'm saying that to say that we don't always get people to, to be where we would like for them to be or, people to, to, you know, to be able to make the decision that, that we believe may be better for them ultimately. But, you know, it's just a process working through trying to make people understand it. You know, it's difficult. To, a divorce will last for a year. And in a year's time, it's hard to, you know, replace and, and help people fill their soul back up to get to where they where they yeah. need to be. But we work as hard as we can. We try to talk to our clients every week so that, you know, we can understand that why and we can help them along the way. But, you know, my thing is just you know, making sure we listen because if yeah. you don't listen, you can't, you can't help that person. So, you know, we ask for the client to do the same back to us, you know, take our experience. We, we, we represent thousands of people. So we hear, you know, your story is no different. You know, people call us all the time or they'll come in and they'll say, you know, I know you've never heard this before. Well, chances are pretty good. We probably have. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's very few stories I think that are, that are new stories. It's just a different, a different person in a different place, but you know, listen, listen to your lawyer, listen to us. And, and, you know, we, we do our best to guide somebody to a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Cause really, like you were saying before, you know, what is your why mm -hmm. at the end of the day and, and really keeping, keeping the innocent bystanders out of the picture, out of the scenario, which is always the children. You know, I was thinking about that when you said, was talking about your friend, I was thinking that her children were essentially cut in half because if they were drug into it, they were cut in half. And, you know, I, I know somebody now who, who was going through a divorce and her husband cheated on her and has since remarried the person he cheated with. And she's so bitter and angry that it hurts her children and she can't see it. So when they, she doesn't encourage them to be happy at dad. She tries to make them feel guilty for going to dad's, you know, and she says negative stuff about dad in front of them. And I just cringe because I know what it's doing to those kids. And, you know, what we see often is that, you know, your, your children may come around and, and tell you what they, what you want to hear, or they may, um, you know, have a skewed opinion based on what you say, but ultimately when they grow up, you know, kids, kids aren't, kids aren't dumb. 
you know, they see if they're at dad's house and dad truly cares about them and, you know, they know that it's between mom and dad. Kids aren't going to be angry nine times out of ten if they're younger because dad cheated on you. They 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 are they're involved with themselves. They may be like aggravated a little bit or they may be like, I can't believe my dad did that. But no matter how much your kids love you, they also love the other parent. So, you know, when you're when you're so negative about the other parent and, and you make the kids feel bad, I think oftentimes kids come back around and when they grow up, there's a you know, there's a division between the parent who was ugly about the parent and the kids because kids grow up and see that. So we try to encourage people to to recognize that you may get a little personal satisfaction if you make little um you know, little Blake mad at his dad, but it's not going to it's not going to last long term. And let me just tell you, your children will never forget that and they will hold it against you someday and it is going to come out and you will be on your knees praying that your children will forgive you because, you know, here's what I want to say as a divorced woman and who's now happily remarried, thankfully. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Children only have one childhood. And when you take that away from it, they never get it back. And they deserve to be left out of that bitterness that two people have and, um, and not make it about them because it's just really sad that they only have one, one shot at being a kid and please don't take it from them. You know, and if you take it from them, you don't realize that you necessarily just took their childhood from them you affected their entire lives because we see yeah. people who are 50, 60 and 70 living with childhood trauma of what their parents put them through. So, you know, I beg people do not do this to your child. And, you know, it's an instantaneous or instant gratification for a parent to feel good because they make their child mad at the other parent, or, mm. you know, if they say something negative about the other parent, but that's so temporary. And just that little scar that you put in, in his or her, your child's, head those scars will continue to grow and in the scar will become so thick it's just that trying to get people to understand that is is probably the most important thing that we do yeah and like now my son is 22 he's a senior in college and to this day still i'm like oh well you know your father and i we need to split that can you can you remind him he's like can you just do it mom he's like i don't want to get involved in all that i'm like oh my god you're right i'm sorry yes you know and so it's like and he's he's very aware and he just says can you just mom you deal with that i don't want to have to i'm not getting in between this like and he's smart enough to know that and and i appreciate him for that you know for, for yeah. sticking up for himself and like you know what mom that that doesn't feel right for me and oh i'm sorry you're right you, you know when and i only said it just because i'm busy you know i'm like no i got you i got you babe it's all good. You know, we see it all the time. Parents sending notes with the kids to the other parent or tell your dad or tell your mom X, Y, or Z. And it's just, you know, it's just such a bad place for the kid. Because just think about your parents. I mean, would you have yeah. wanted to go to the other parent said something negative? Mom said to tell you that, you know, your girlfriend's ugly or just something like that. I mean, that's just not for the kid to do. Like, what and it's Let them be children. Right. And like, for me, like we, he knows that we've got such a great relationship and it, it isn't about me trying to pull him in. It's just like, oh, here. And, and he's like, you know, I really don't want to be involved. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You know, I, I wasn't thinking. And um, let's shift gears a minute because I do have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to my podcast and a lot of women, especially, and a lot of 
women entrepreneurs and, and women, there's a lot of women out there that are thinking of starting their own business. What business advice can you give a woman, um, especially in the beginning, because it's hard, it's hard starting a business, especially the first couple of years. What advice can you give to other women entrepreneurs to help them just stick it out? And is, is there any, any gold nuggets that you can drop? Absolutely. I'll try. I think that the best advice that I can give somebody, especially somebody who's starting a business or, or female starting a business is understand, determine and understand what your values are and then live those values and make every decision based on those values. And, and I say that um, because as you grow, assuming that you're wanting to grow a business, that you're wanting to to you know employ people and become larger all your decisions will be based on those, those values. So you will, you know, your, your um, job descriptions will include those values. Your interviews will include those values and your hiring decisions will include those values. And if you start out without having those established, knowing what they mean and, and truly feeling good about your values, then you're going to, then you're going to really struggle because you're going to hire people who are not, who doesn't, who do not believe the way that you do. So it's so important to determine those values. You know, we, we at my firm have values that, that I've had held for a long time. And, you know, everybody knows those values. Everybody talks to our clients about them. If, if, if somebody comes to me and needs a decision about something, I say, you know, we make decisions based on those values. We say, how does the, how does that relate to our values? Does it meet our values? And then we'll step through every one of them. And if we get to the end, it doesn't meet any of them. Then the decision is easy. But if you don't have a set of values, you know, you're going to be like a, a ship without a, a, a rudder or sail. You're going to, you're going to float around. So, so I tell you, I tell young people and people asking, what do I do to start a business? I say, define your values and make sure you live by those. And when I say values, I'm not meaning flowery words that you see up in corporations because, you know, I'll go into business and I do this just to see, because I think this is a huge key for you to, to, to use when you're seeing a business. But if you walk into a business and you see their values written on the wall, you know, ask the receptionist, wh wh which one of the values are your favorite? And they're either going to know them and you know that you're in a business that is built correctly, or they're going to say values. What are you talking about? Or, you know, if you go on back to the back and the person there doesn't know their favorite value or know what their values are, then they're not a values built firm. And that's just so important at the end of the day. Um, so that's where I would say definitely start is, is determine what your values are. Mm, I love it. That is such great advice. And then back to starting a business and keeping it going. So often you run into times where you're like, is it worth it? Do I keep it going? How do you keep your head in the game, right? Because happiness is a mindset. Running mm. a business takes a lot of mindset. Success is 80% mindset, right? 20% tactics. What advice can you give to a woman who, who feels, or any entrepreneur for that matter, to help keep their mindset in check, to keep them going, committed to their values, I guess you could say? Yeah, there's so much to unpack there, but I would I would start by by encouraging any young entrepreneur to read. And now and then, you know, social media is so prevalent that you can go on TikTok, you can find information on TikTok about your subjects. You can, you know, go on YouTube, you can you can get so much information there. But at the end of the day, the more you educate yourself and the more you know 
the better you're going to be with your mindset. And your mindset has to be going in that I can do anything I want. You know, if you're reasonably, uh, if you're, you know, if you're a healthy, reasonable, reasonably intelligent individual, and you don't even really have to be reasonably intelligent, you just have to have the drive, the desire, and the the willingness to sacrifice. Yeah. But I think you know the best business advice I got to to learn to be a leader and, and a good CEO was from one of my business coaches who encouraged me to start reading. And he, he encouraged me to read a book a week, which was, of course, 52 a year. And I and I started doing that. And it's it's actually life changing. And you think, my goodness, how do you, you know, that's a lot of time. If you've got children, you know, your husband, you've got work, you've got so much to do. But, you know, just think I, I can't I don't watch TV very much. I mean, there's, you know, three or four shows I'll I'll save up and maybe watch them occasionally. But, you know, think what you're doing that you can replace with educating yourself. And then really, you know, make it, make a commitment. If you don't want to do 52, do, do one every two weeks and do half that amount. But I promise you that if you'll start that at the end of the year, you're going to see yourself in a much different place, but you're also going to have to know that, that there's so much truth to the saying that you are the five people you spend the most time with. So look to your, to your people, look to your group and say, are these five people keeping me in the same place or are these five people going to up-level me? So you've got to, you know, I'm not saying you're rid of your family, you're rid of your friends, but you've got to change your mindset with regard to your time. So if, if you're wanting to ha- run a million dollar business, you need to be around people who have run a million dollar business. You need to find those people. You need to say, Hey, can I have dinner with you once a week? Hey, can I spend time with you? Hey, can I come in your office? Can I be in your bit? Can you, you know, can, can I just sort of, let you be a mentor with me. What what can I do? You know, I heard something the other day in a, um, I think it was a podcast or something. And, and the question was, if you don't have a place at the table, serve the water. And I was like, mm. that is so good. If you don't have a place at the table, serve the water and listen, listen yeah. to the table, but, but change your, change your time and put yourself around you know, the five people that will take you to where you want to go, that will uplift you, will encourage you and, and give you, you know, from from their mindset. But, but they'll also, you know, you, when you start hearing other people at different levels, you're going to ask questions and you're going to want to be at that level. Yeah, I love that because one of the big differences in, in everything that I'm doing that I made is just that. Sure, I've got five friends, I've got five family members, but in my business world, I've got five of the most powerful people behind me that are helping me grow and expand my mind, my knowledge, my wisdom, everything. And that is such, I was sitting here going, I'm counting them. I'm like, oh yeah, I got five. No, it's so important. My, uh, I've got, uh, one of my, my marketing guys, actually a couple of them are just, they're just so bright. They're just really bright guys. My coach and his partner are really bright, bright guys. And, you know, I call them just to listen to them or just to talk to them or say, you know, how did you, how did, how, how did you handle this situation? Listen to me. How would you handle this situation? But just to be in the room working with them. You know, when I'm around them, I say, let's just work together because you see the way they work. You see the way they interact. You see the way they handle themselves when they go in a restaurant. You see what they order. You see how they handle the waiters. You you just start seeing a different way to live. And that changes your mindset. 
So that's what I encourage you to do with putting yourself around, around five really good people who are where you want to go. Oh, Charlotte, this was so incredible. Thank you so much. How can people learn more about you? Everything will be in the show notes, but go ahead and and shout it out anyway. Yeah. First off, thank you so much. I really uh, enjoy your podcast and and appreciate your audience and and certainly hope to, you know, give value to as many people as I can. I own the law offices of Charlotte Christian and Associates, and we're a family law firm, and we have offices in Alabama, um, Chicago, Las Vegas, Houston, St. Louis and Miami and Fort Lauderdale. So if you're in any of those places, uh, you know, hit me up. Maybe we could, uh, maybe I could chat with you and, and, uh, maybe, uh, share a coffee with you or something. But, you know, if I can help anybody, certainly feel free to reach out to us on the website and I'd be more than happy to help any way I can. Oh, Charlotte, thank you so much. You have so much wisdom to share, and I really appreciate the work that you do. It's You are one of the really good lawyers out there, right? <laughs> we try hard to be. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.